Welcome to Along the Way with Trudy Kathy White. Trudy is the daughter of Jeanette and Truett Kathy, founder of Chick-fil-A. And like her dad, she is a beloved leader, communicator, and entrepreneur. In this podcast, Trudy will share a heartwarming collection of true stories with lessons she's learned along the way and remind you that the legacy you'll leave then is the life you're living now. Here now is your host, Trudy Kathy White. there and welcome to another episode of Along the Way. I'm your host Trudy and if you've spent much time with me at all you know I love meeting new people and over the years I've kind of acquired a number of get to know you type games. One and I'm sure you've probably played it before is a game that has each individual narrow down their earthly possessions in just three items. You know three things that they just couldn't survive without if they were stranded on a deserted island. Now, I like to get the standard answers like food, and water, shelter, the Bible, all those kind of out of the way so you can really learn something about a person's favorite things. So are you curious about what I might pick? Hmm. Let me think. My glasses. I wear contacts, but glasses are going to be best on an island. My most comfortable, well-worn t-shirt. I got a few of those in my closet I could pick from. And I know it's a food, but could I take chicken minis with peanut butter and maybe a styrofoam cup of sweet tea? No ice. That way I can just sip on it every day. You may recall a story in the Bible found in the book of Acts of the Apostle Paul's actual shipwreck on the island of Malta. The story is written with great detail, and you should check it out. You might think you are reading like Moby Dick or 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I mean, seriously. Paul is imprisoned on a boat bound for Italy when they encounter a horrific weather and difficult circumstances. But suddenly, Paul is visited by an angel, and he takes that message and listen how he encourages his shipmates. This is in Acts Chapter 27, verses 25 and 26. Take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Now, do these verses make you kind of chuckle a little bit? I mean, you see Paul begs his companions to take heart and to have faith in God. But he follows that up with this encouragement, with a casual, Oh, and uh, by the way, we're going to be stranded on an island. The flow of thoughts here might seem strangely ironic, but I believe it is good instruction on how to live a life of faith right in the midst of obstacles and challenges. It's sort of like where we all find ourselves right now in this unusual season of time amidst challenging circumstances. Paul was focused on the surety of God's promises, not on the difficulties that he knew he was about to face. He wasn't focused on his troubles or even whether or not he had the supplies to sustain him on a desert island. I doubt seriously he had his glasses or comfy shirt or probably not sweet tea. You know, at times, our first years of living in Brazil felt a little bit like a shipwreck. The joy and excitement of knowing that we were in God's will and learning to live and serve in a new culture was often exhilarating. But with our highs came disappointing lows. One of our primary objectives during the first year in Brazil was to become proficient in the language of Portuguese. But that in itself seemed like such an insurmountable goal. 
learning a new language and adapting to a new situation and culture and surroundings is just not easy. In fact, we found it to be very humbling. Thankfully, God often gave us the grace to laugh at ourselves. These humbling experiences brought us closer to the Lord and to the Brazilians who witnessed them. In our struggle to learn their language, our new Brazilian friends recognized that we were vulnerable and we needed their help. I thought today I would just tell you a few of these stories and you'll likely enjoy a good laugh or two with me or at me as I share some of my shipwrecks. Okay, I remember this so well. It was the first week of December, and we were preparing to host about six Americans who were coming to serve in our local church. The Sunday before they arrived, one of our church members approached me, and as she spoke to me in Portuguese, she told me that she was in charge of coordinating the meals for the group that was coming. Now, you need to understand where we went to church was in a very, very poor community. These families had barely what they needed to survive. They never got their wants. But this generous lady in the church was trying to organize the meals for the group that was coming. And so she looked at me and slowly she asked if I would like to help cook one of the meals for the Americans. Of course, I I was happy to help. So I nodded my head and I said, sim, yes. Then she showed me a piece of paper where she had written down my name for some evening meals. But when she showed me the menu plan for my first meal, it read, carne, cachorro, quente. Now, being new to Portuguese language, I translated what was written literally word for word. Meat, dog, hut. Now, trying to maintain my composure, I said as politely as I could, Oh, I'm sorry, but I've never had this before, and I'm not sure how to prepare it. She responded with quite a surprise. Don't Americans eat this regularly? To which I answered, No, I I really don't think they do, but that's not a problem. I'm happy to fix something else. She seemed somewhat confused, but went along with my suggestion. Later that week, while sharing the conversation with my language school professor, she broke out in laughter. And I was so confused. Like, what just happened? And then she began to explain, and as I listened to her, I couldn't believe it. Wouldn't you know it, the American delicacy that I had been asked to make was not, in fact, dog meat prepared hot. It was simply hot dogs. Oh, my goodness, how embarrassing. Clearly, this mistake was a lack of my understanding of the Portuguese language. And I don't think I ever went back to that dear lady at that church to explain my misunderstanding. Perhaps to this day, she still believes Americans don't eat hot dogs. (laughs) Now, admittedly, most of my Portuguese training came from our language professor. But my eldest daughter, Joy, who was four years old when we arrived in Brazil, was quite good with the new language. Before long, her learning curve quickly surpassed me, and I soon discovered there was a lot of value in taking her along with me when we go on shopping trips because she was really a great tutor and interpreter. Now, you need to know Joy has always enjoyed leading. Of course she does. She's our firstborn. So being in charge and leading is a natural role for her, especially the being in control part. In fact, often, As I would leave the house to go out on my own, she would call to me and say, 
Mommy, are you sure you're going to be okay without me? <laughs> it was humbling for me, for sure. But true, I did need the help of my four-year-old daughter with these cha this challenging language. It was a tough time. But one day, Joy and I found ourselves out shopping together when I realized that there was an item on the list that I did not know how to ask for. Undaunted, I told Joy what I needed in English, and she told me the Portuguese word. I found a clerk, and I repeated exactly the word that Joy had said to me, asking for where it was located. But the woman, she kind of looked at me a little puzzled, like she didn't understand me. So I turned to Joy, and I asked her for to tell me the word again. And Joy repeated the same thing. I just assumed that maybe it was my accent that was throwing things off a little bit on the first attempt. So I tried again. But still, the Brazilian woman kind of looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language, which technically I thought I was. I looked back at Joy for a third time to see if I could possibly get this word right. And guess what? There she was. My four-year-old with blonde hair and innocent blue eyes could hardly contain herself. She was giggling so hard. And in that instant, I realized what she had done. She had made up a word for me to repeat, and the joke was on me the whole time. Being the object of a four-year-old's amusement made me furious. Later, I thought to myself, oh, great now. My own child has turned her back on me. To be honest, I had a hard time in that moment looking past this shipwreck. It was the culmination of months of what seemed like fruitless work to learn a new language. I felt like one of the crew members listening to Paul say nonchalantly, Oh, and by the way, we'll be shipwrecked on an island. What? Can we just go back to the take courage pep talk? But the Lord used this circumstance to teach me so much about his faithfulness to fulfill his promises despite my weakness that my dependency couldn't be on who I was or whether or not my daughter would help me. My dependency, my hope, my confidence, my courage had to be completely in the Lord. The final language mishap I'll share with you from a time in Brazil actually happened to John. Poor, proper, and meticulous John. One of his favorite experiences in Brazil was being able to go to the street market and shop for different meats. He often headed out on Saturday mornings and brought home traditional Brazilian foods for our family to try. So one morning, he set out on a mission to buy shark meat, which we had heard was delicious. After searching the stalls at the market, he came upon a fish stand that had a reasonable price and some really good fresh fish. When he got the clerk's attention, he attempted to place his order. But instead of using the word for shark, tubarão, he used another word that is similar enough in Portuguese to be confusing, calçon. In effect, he told the vendor at the stall, I'll take one kilo of shorts, please. The clerk's reaction was just enough to clue John off that he had made a mistake. All he could do was chuckle at his innocent mistake. I mean, what else can you do in a situation like that? With such patience, the man corrected John's word choice and sent him on his way, thankfully, not with shorts, but what he had originally asked for. And before I forget to tell you, shark meat, it is actually pretty good. When I think about these crazy stories, it makes me so grateful for the gift of hindsight and perspective. Our family loves to reminisce on these early stories from our time in Brazil, and every time we laugh almost as hard as if we were recalling them for the first time. 
Now, after all these years of having lived there and spent time with Brazilian friends, we feel much more sure of ourselves in our knowledge of the Brazilian culture, and this knowledge produces confidence in how we act and how we talk. The same can be said for our confidence in our promises of God. When we experience the shipwrecks of life, we come through on the other side with more confidence and certainty of His faithfulness to fulfill all that He said that He would do. We can take courage, as Paul charged the crew, because despite any impending shipwrecks, it will be just as he said. All will be made right. What about you? Are you currently in the midst of a storm threatening to shipwreck all of your well-laid plans? What promises from the Lord do you cling tightly to? On a lighter note, what's the funniest thing you've ever said or done? Maybe it's something that happened with your family members. Take a second and allow the laughter from that situation just to shine a ray of light and joy into your day. Or should I say, another ray of light, as I truly hope this podcast episode has served to lift your spirits and encourage you along the way in your journey with the Lord. We'll talk again real soon. That concludes our time together for today. To find out more about Trudy, visit TrudyCathyWhite.com or follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. By pondering the lessons in this podcast, you'll move one step closer to having your own meaningful collection of lessons you've learned along the way.